It's news to us. We're live on Adobe Radio the week of May 11th. And uh, my name's Eddie. Katie and Jason here as well. Hi. Hola. There they are. We're again in our quarantine. I guess we don't even have to say that anymore. It's just uh, the world we live in. Everybody is in their own quarantine. I think you have to assume that everyone's in quarantine. Yeah. Although the country's reopening, so maybe not. <laughs> Good idea, bad idea. Maybe we should talk about that a little bit in our news roundup. That's on the way. And then we're going to talk to Julie Oliver. She's running to represent Austin and Central Texas in Congress for Texas 25. Um, so she's going to call it. She has a really interesting story, by the way. She uh, grew up poor. She uh, dropped out of high school with a kid at 17 and was living in abandoned buildings and then kind of uh, got her stuff together. And now she's running for Congress. A really cool story. So uh, she'll be joining us here and more. Uh, are you guys ready? Yeah, it's news to us with Eddie and Jason. A news roundup is coming your way in just a second. Like I said, do I have to repeat myself? Yes. Um, Save for the folks in the back. Some sad news. Yeah. What? All right. Okay. Some sad news first to start the show. I mean, I hate to like. Start on a bummer note, but we did get some really sad news last week that David from Australia passed away. A regular contributor to the show. Uh, he's ever since the EJC days, he's calling in and listening every week. And uh, we got an email and no longer with us, David in Australia. Yeah. Really weird to not have him listening and messaging us tonight, I have to say. It is, it does feel different, doesn't it? Yeah. So. I mean, at some point we'll put together a proper tribute to him, but uh, for him, uh, but you know, very the young guy, uh, like what, 33, 34 years old. I'm not, we don't even know what happened. We, we got no details, just a random email. Yeah. We don't know what happened, but uh, we're still shook by it. And I think we're grieving, right? Like this, I definitely uh, have been thinking about him a lot lately. Yeah, he's very sad. He was a very nice guy. Yeah, he in Australia, so he's he's a big uh, fan of Adobe too. Just not even just this show. He used to listen to Adobe um, all the time, and he even flew from Australia to Denver, where we live. At, what was it like two or three years ago, just to come see us and hang out at one of our broadcasts? That's how big of a fan he was of Adobe and the show. Yeah, yeah, it's, <clears throat> so, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy to think. Yeah, he will definitely be missed, but uh, and and it's, it's weird to to give you that news too. So, but anyways, uh, we just wanted to acknowledge that. Yeah, well, just to his fa- uh, family and friends who may be listening, uh, we're very very sorry to hear about this, and condolences to you. Yeah, absolutely. From all of he's us, he's a great guy, and and uh, we miss his contribution already. Um, news roundup. Let's see what's happening. I mean, there's just always a lot of shit going down. We thought we'd do a news roundup this week and kind of touch on a whole bunch of stories in a quick fashion. Here we go. It's news to us. News roundup. And full disclosure, Jason said he was too tired to do his job this week. (laughs) <laughs> which means I was usually digging into a story uh, more in depth. I didn't want to do in depth stories tonight. No, because <laughs> you're working Fuck a lot. You, you're back to work. It's okay. I, I understand. You're working a lot. 
Are you allowed to slack uh, off at your uh, at your other job too? Do they allow that no, over there? Or? Well, no. <laughs> if you pay me the same, I won't slack off anymore. <laughs> you get paid very handsomely for the amount of work I do. I do. I'm not disagreeing, but but can you support a, a family on it? That's up to you, not me. <laughs> get on a fucking budget. Whoa! <laughs> I'm fuck just, you. I'm just kidding. It's all good. It's all. It's totally. You haven't cool. left your house in like two months. You and it's getting to my head. Left your building, your home. My building. Yeah, I have an entire my compound. I haven't left the compound over here. You moved into the compound and you haven't been outside. Yeah, uh, we need to months. go outside anyways. I never liked going outside. To you begin haven't with. worn pants in uh, um, six weeks. It's all been gym shorts. The entire time. I, I, I'm wearing sweatpants today because it's a little chilly. Thank you very much. I'm classing it up. You're like, what's a belt? I don't even know how to work a belt anymore because I don't have to fucking wear one. What's a belt? Exactly. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, it is. It's weird. It's weird. I don't know. This is the new normal now. This is how things are. Just get used to it. For some people, I still have to go out and be in public. You do. Are you, do you worry about that? Do you both of you worry about the fact that Jason is being exposed to the general public? I think, uh, no, I'm not. We have a lot of safety uh, guidelines we're following, so I'm not worried about it. Like and masks I, and sanitiz- sanitiz- sanitizing? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm so sick of wearing masks. I'm so sick of sanitizing groceries. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I don't even, I don't I mean, even want to go get food anymore. Because I want to fucking sanitize it. Well, then like that's just that's perfect. The- if you want to live off the show salary, you won't have to, you won't be able to afford food anymore. <laughs> so why don't you do that? She shook her head no. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's yeah the mask thing is weird because you you have to make sure you brush your teeth before you put on a mask is what I've learned. What? You've tried wearing a mask without bro- what's wrong with you? Yeah. I did try it, and it was a big mistake because you're smelling you're so your used own. To not, you're so used to not going out in public, you stop brushing your teeth regularly. Is that what you're telling us right now? I got up early to take a to Gross. do a bike ride, and I was like, "I'll brush my teeth and I get back," and that was a mistake. So always brush your teeth sure, before putting a mask sure. on. I was gonna go exercise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Early in the morning. That's what I did. Uh, yeah. That's the only sure. thing. I, I, that's I've been getting out of the house on bike. That's it. I have ridden all around Denver, like literally, and it's it hasn't been fun because I don't have the proper bike for it. And it's fun, but it's hard, is what I should say. It's it's hard work. I got a new bike for Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, cool! <clears throat> Happy Mother's Day, by the way, Katie. Oh, I thank you. Yes, ma'am. Choking. What kind of bike did you get? Um, a purple one. Oh, cool. <laughs> Is it a mountain bike or? No, it's fixie? a cruiser. Cruiser. Well, it's a it's a hybrid one. I still have gears. Oh. Yeah, it's really cool. Oh, cool. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I can go cruising around with the kid now because she got she got a new mountain bike for Mother's Day too. Oh wow! Look at you, Jason, <laughs> Mister Moneybags over there. I didn't get a new bike. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, that's really nice of you. That's cool. Last time I got a new bike was like nine years ago. 
Same. Well, and you also have to remember that, like, uh, we have an eight-year-old and our summer, our, our summer, our summer is kind of shot. So, yeah. Like, what am I going to do with it all summer? Bike rides. Yep, bike rides. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you guys can meet Uncle Eddie. Yeah, well, I'll be halfway. I'll I'll ride halfway there. His teeth. Yeah, only if you um, brush your teeth. <laughs> and put some damn pants on, dude. No pants, no teeth brushing. I just, yeah. Why would I start wearing like pants? A hobo. Are you gonna go on the street corner and start begging for money? <laughs> We're gonna go meet your hobo, Uncle Eddie. Yep. Come on by. I'll be at Santa Fe. I basically, I look like a homeless the bridge. Per- <laughs> I look like a homeless person right now, but I have a home. It's really not a good thing. <laughs> When's the last time you shaved? Let's. Uh, r- real talk. When's the last time you trimmed that beard? No, actually, I, I shaved it probably four days ago. Not shaved it, but trimmed it. But I was thinking I'm going to grow my hair out. <laughs> What's that? The mask because on. You it. have to put the mask on. <laughs> you know, we. Uh, this is a good segue. So, like a lot of states, ours included, we're all moving towards more of a. Uh, uh, we're businesses are starting to reopen like when is the when are you gonna go try to get a haircut eddie well you know i taught myself to cut my own hair about a year ago and it's the best yeah, investment we, we i've ever made you about that and I'm, yeah you know what and i don't care because now everybody's worried about a haircut and i got bad haircuts anyways when i paid for them so i might as well get bad haircuts on my own and not pay for it do you hook it up to the vacuum cleaner is it one of those <laughs> yeah Floby. Yeah, <laughs> I feel bad though for you know all those uh, people in the, the hair industry that can't cut people's hair. It, they, they're they can't make a living. It sucks. That's that's terrible. But when are you going to get a haircut? When are you guys going to feel comfortable? I'm going. I'm going to see how long I can go without one. Yeah, I mean, I really uh, it sucks. I have too much hair right now, but I don't really cared enough to get sick and die about it so <laughs> whatever well, die beautiful <laughs> yeah it's okay i'll cut your hair yeah i'll cut your hair i bet i can cut it oh do you uh do you like bowl cuts <laughs> <laughs> do you like a number two or a number four <laughs> But speaking of businesses reopening, there is a big controversy in Colorado with uh, a business opening. It's all part of our news roundup. It's news to us. News roundup. What the hell is it? What hell? I saw this this on social media. This is where this restaurant or was it a coffee shop or a restaurant? I thought it was a coffee shop in Castle Rock, Colorado. It's like a coffee shop restaurant, and yeah, it was all over Twitter. And it, you see these yes, pictures, it's probably ended up on your social media. It's just like absolutely packed to this coffee shop restaurant, like shoulder to shoulder, and they're not allowed to be doing this. Oh, it's CNC Coffee and Kitchen. Yeah, I definitely gave everybody in there a preemptive fuck you yesterday. You went inside just to say fuck you. Sick, yeah. No, online. <laughs> okay, I did that for Good. infecting our neighborhoods nearby. I mean, like that's like super close to us, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's it is. It's really close yeah. to us, actually. Yeah. So tell tell me more about this. I need to take. I need to walk away from the microphone for like. 
30 seconds. Excuse me. This is really professional. (laughs) So uh, basically this, the owner of this coffee shop and kitchen uh, opened up for Mother's Day. The owner, April Arellano, uh, decided that she wanted to open up and support the Constitution and stand up for what is right and defy the local health department. And uh, so she allowed her restaurant to open up and let all the patrons in. And there was a line out the door and people sitting side by side. And I'm pretty sure there was a buffet. A buffet? Yeah, it looked like this is disgusting, even when there's not a pandemic going on. Yeah, like it was pretty. I mean, there were people crammed in there, tons of people. Yeah, of them wearing face masks. So terrible. What's the the point these people are trying to prove? Exactly. Oh, I can get sick. Videos on Twitter, they were like proud of it you know so morons which made it even more disgusting it was just kind of like you know what like why would you even do that so and if you're listening to this show i hope that we don't have to explain why that's a bad idea i don't if you if you if you need us to explain to you why that's a bad idea stop listening go away (laughs) right (laughs) we don't want you you're you're uninvited from listening to this show forever so all of Colorado's restaurants are have been under tight restrictions since March. Um, restaurants, gyms, bars, theaters, casinos. Um, so she she packed it to full capacity for Mother's Day. <laughs> I wonder how many moms she's going to end up killing. Right. What a these people are uh, so stupid. Health department came in and shut it down today. I mean, what are the precautions that you have to take, Jason? You work in retail, so what exactly are you guys doing in your line of business? Um, I have to wear uh, a face mask at all times in in the building, even uh, while you're pooping. Other, even while I'm pooping and I'm by myself. Really? I how do they monitor know, I, that? Do they install cameras or? Um, no, I'm okay. just a good person. Okay, okay. Honor system. What else? Gloves all the time. Any product going in or out gets sterilized at the door. So product coming in, like if someone's bringing something into the store, it gets sanitized with disinfectant. If it leaves the store, it gets uh, sanitized with disinfectant. All uh, touch points, uh, shared touch points get disinfected at uh, when we get in in the building in the morning. Do you have contact with the public? I do. And they, they're required to wear masks? Uh, Denver County is still under that law. Yes. Mm. That's good. I I read uh, today that wearing a face mask actually reduces the risk of you uh, sharing something by like 99%. So that's good. Of course, it has to be like a proper face mask. But see if everybody's doing it, then the the spread can really be stifled. If you mitigated mitigated. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm not going to go out and try to eat at a restaurant anytime soon. That's for sure. You've been jonesing yeah, for a blooming onion. Well, and, and like Polis is letting curbside pickup happen and to go orders. So it's not like this woman couldn't have been open for Mother's Day and done a ton of business, you know, 
she could have just the same. She was trying to prove a political point. This has become politicized. It's really not a matter of politics. That's what people don't understand. It's public health. She just infected and killed a bunch of people's moms for fun. She should be prosecuted. She should be. To the fullest extent of the law. Uh, Do you remember those... uh... Those people in Wisconsin, was it Wisconsin that were protesting the stay-at-home orders a few weeks ago? I think like 80 of them got uh, tested positive for COVID now. Wow. Really? Not surprised. Not surprised. Not surprising. Well, moving on with the news roundup, the Supreme Court toilet flush. It's news to us. News roundup. Everyone got so excited last week because for the very first time we were able to hear the Supreme Court argue something in real time because they're all doing it on a conference call. So you're able to tune into this live stream and listen to the Supreme Court. But we got a little extra surprise here. Here's what happened. This is actual audio. And what the FCC has said is that when the subject matter of the call ranges to the topic, then the call is transformed. Somebody flushed their toilet on the conference call. Was that Eddie flushing his toilet? What just happened? Yep, I was on this call. What the FCC has said is that when the subject matter of the call ranges to the topic, then the call is... So which Supreme Court justice flushed the toilet is the question. It's like a real game of Clue. It is. Who do, who do we think it was? It was the doctor with the candlestick <laughs> in the library. Yeah. And you don't want to know where the candlestick was. The FCC has said is that when the subject matter of the call ranges to the topic. Was it Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Hmm. I don't think so. She was in the hospital. Right. She was in the hospital. What about uh, uh, Soda Mayor? Wait, 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 real quick. Yeah. Without looking at your notes, Eddie, can you name all nine justices on the Supreme Court? I cannot. And I'm going to try. Can you? Uh,. No, I don't think all nine. I, I bet I could do seven. Okay, go. Okay, Ginsburg, Sotomayor, um, Kavanaugh. Okay. Uh, Clarence. All right. Um, what do we have? Four? Oh, uh, Gorsuch. Is that five? Thomas? No, I already did that. What about the rapist? I already did that, Kavanaugh. Oh, you did? Okay. Um, what about the other rapist? I did him too. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but... Uh, Me neither. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, actually, I guess I can only do like half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's hard. Kagan? Yeah. Uh, was that not one? Yeah, it was one. But you ran out of time. But who who yeah, flushed the you? toilet? Was it Kavanaugh? I want to say did it's Kavanaugh. It? Who did I miss? Do you know anyone I missed? Any name jumps out? Um, huh? I could easily Google it right now, but yeah, I was going. To, I I did that for real. Who else? Uh, That's that. I don't know. Clarence Thomas, uh, Associate Judge. Uh, yes, uh, Alito. Briar. Oh, Justice Alito. Yeah, yeah you were pretty close. You're pretty close. But which one of those flushed the toilet, though, is the question. Alito, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
You think this is on him? Okay. Said is that when the subject matter of the call ranges to the topics, then the call is. I mean, uh, Supreme Court justices have to poop too. Okay, just because you reach the highest level in the land, it doesn't mean that your bowel movements cease. I mean, most people Facebook and uh, and poop. Like these guys are just listening to a case and pooping. (laughs) They're deciding the fate of the country. I mean, it's multitasking. It's efficient. And that's what we praise here in America. How many people like everyone's doing all this remote meetings and stuff from home? Like how many people are taking those meetings while on the shitter? Like, think about it. Like next time you're in a remote meeting, like think about if there's, you know, 10 people in that meeting and there has to be at least one person taking a shit at that time. <laughs> I would imagine that's true. I would Jason imagine that's true. on the show sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually that's coming not, out of his mouth, that is though. not true. That is yeah. so not true. Because if that was true, she'd have to be in the bathroom with me. In the bathroom. Yeah. In the, okay. Well, it's the it's news to us. News roundup. It's news to us. News roundup. guest here in just a few minutes we're uh getting close to that too so hang on everybody if she's listening right now she's like i don't know if i want to be on the show right julia oliver is coming up she is running for congress she'll be on the show here in just a little bit but first uh, on a more a little bit more serious note here uh looks like covid is closing in on the west wing Yes. President uh, Trump's personal valet tested positive for the coronavirus. There have been 11 Secret Service members last time I heard that were uh, have tested positive. Mike Pence's press secretary tested positive. Ivanka Trump's personal assistant has tested positive for COVID-19. Note, yes. Mike Pence's uh, speechwriter is also Stephen Miller's wife. Oh, look at that. So it's closing in, and then uh, Seth Abram, Abramson, is that how you say his name? Abramson? Yeah. He uh, tweeted on, uh, he said, I'm hearing with on good authority that coronavirus is more rampant in the White House than the public is being told. He actually retweeted somebody else saying that. That was from April Ryan, and she is a very reputable White House uh, reporter. So now they are requiring masks in the West Wing, and apparently DJT is getting very angry that COVID is is creeping up on him. Do we feel bad for DJT? (laughs) No. (laughs) You know what? He didn't take proper precautions. Is like it's creeping in on him, and they still do tests every day for like all these people. But like everyday Americans, like it's can't get them. So hard to get it. You can't get a test. Like and while the so virus, we shouldn't we be angry? We if should he's be angry. We should be angry because he fucking has all these all these people are going to be tested like daily we're, daily we're tests. Warriors, we're the warriors, guys. We're the warriors. We're just supposed to fight. Remember, we're warriors. Right. And you know, I might feel a little bit bad for him if he was doing proper precautions and wearing a face mask all the time and requiring everybody around him and and not and shaking not hands. President and that too, but he has been mocked the own government guidelines and he doesn't take any of this seriously. So when it happens to him, I mean, what can you do except say, eh, "Your own fault." Do you think drink some bleach? 
Do you think the country would be better off if we just didn't have a president right now? <laughs> yes. Like, just no, like, I'm not saying anything bad happened. No. I'm just saying if he just wasn't there, like, no president, like, if would you, you yeah. feel it would be the same, right? Like, <laughs> it'd probably be better. I think it would be, be way better. better. Because it would be less politically torn apart if we just let Congress do its work and just didn't have a president then whatever we'd all be less politically driven and we could get through this i've never wanted him to go golfing more ever like just go golf and let the well, let the adults handle it i did you see some of his tweets that he uh, uh posted uh yesterday he tweeted over 100 times yesterday as 75 million or 75,000 americans are dead because of covid-19 yeah, eighty thousand now. Uh, yeah, he said, uh, "So great to have uh, America reopening." It was like a retweet of Trump, California, like his golf course in California. Mm. 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 Uh, also, Obamagate, Obamagate. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know. I can't feel bad for him, and it's getting. Cl- I mean, it happened to Boris Johnson. He got it. If Boris Johnson can get it, why can't DJT? He's not uh, superhuman, and he is in very poor health. He has a lot of pre-existing congest- conditions. So, no, no, no. Do- according to Doctor Ronnie, he's in perfect health. Oh, okay. He can live to two hundred. Except he loves hamburgers. <laughs> hamburgers, hamburgers, and he uh, reportedly drinks a twelve-pack of Diet Coke a day. So that can't be good for you. I drink one of those, oh. and I get a stomach ache. I don't know how he does twelve. Oh, me too. I can't drink soda. Ditto. But uh, yes. maybe that's how he, with all the uh, preservatives he's eating, maybe that's how he can last. Who knows? The guy is a medical marvel. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he's upright with that diet. Actually, he's, he doesn't even st- stand upright. He has a very weird posture. If you ever see a profile of him, he's like tilted. He leans. Yeah, leans funny. Lean forward. Yeah. Lean for- he leans with it, rocks with it. Uh, well, our guest tonight is Julie Oliver, and she's running to represent Austin and Central Texas in Congress for the 25th, and uh, she is joining us on the phone right now. Hello, Julie. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on the show. You, your story is just really interesting, and it's cool to see somebody of your background being interested in running for office. I think we need more people like you who uh, who are empowered to do so. It's really cool. Can you, uh, I, I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, yeah, of course. Great Thank story. you. Um, I, I also wish there were more people who were just kind of people who have lived experience and know what it's like to be poor running for Congress. I think, I think our priorities would be a whole lot different if there were. Um, but a little bit about me. I grew up in the south part of Dallas in, you know, what I had no idea how poor we were until one time as an adult, I was, figuring out, I was like, did we live in poverty? Because I remember my mom sitting at the kitchen table doing the budget every month, and she made $800 a month. Wow, wow. And we did. It was a family of four, and we lived in poverty. She was a single mom, did the best she could. She actually got into a tremendous amount of debt because, obviously, you know, living off of $800 a month is, is not enough to, to feed a family of four. Um, but I, you know. But $1,200 a month get, is enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> not even close. Oh my anyway, god! Sorry to interrupt you. I just had to be snarky there. Twelve hundred dollars just one time. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. Could be plenty. Right. Yeah. Feed your kids for the rest of the year. Yeah. No, exactly. you're you're welcome. 
It feels so <laughs> insulting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I ended up, when I was a 17-year-old, I ended up running away from home. I went through a, a fairly rebellious streak. My mom and I clashed over several things and uh, ended up, when I was gone, dropping out of high school and then getting pregnant. So I knew the one thing that I didn't want to do was have a baby while I was living homeless in, in abandoned buildings. How so does that even, how does that work to live in a... Sorry, sorry to uh, interrupt. I was wondering, how does that work to live in an abandoned buildings? Were you just walking around the streets and then you'd see, like, how, how does that work? I, I just don't understand that world. Yeah. So, you, well, and, and honestly, it was buildings that we knew that were not occupied. So you could go and kind of look in the windows and see that there's no furniture and no, um, there was like one garage apartment that my boyfriend and I had staked out and, um, and then when somebody actually moved into it, we got booted and we just found a duplex that had been um, empty for quite a while. Did these and places so, yeah, have we, running water or what was the... It had running water, okay. but no no electrical. So we lived without electricity, and but there was running water. It must have simultaneously felt, cold. probably felt good to have a roof over your head, but also really scary at the same time. It was. It was really scary. Um, I never quite knew where my meals were going to come from. Uh, I, I did rely on the generosity of strangers to get me food. <laughs> and then what I couldn't uh, get from strangers, I, I would steal um, from convenience stores. Now, I'm saying, you know, I know a lot of people have, have kind of chastised me for, you know, being a 17 year old who was desperate to eat. And, um, but this is a matter of circumstance. You were born into the situation, I would think, right? Or do you think that you made a choice along yeah. the way that put you where you were at? So, it's a combination of both. A com- absolutely a combination of both. And, you know, I will say for me, getting pregnant when I was a runaway was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Even though we didn't have insurance in my family, you know, as a Medicaid mom at the age of 17, um, and even though, you know, I was a high school dropout at the time. I knew that for me, I wanted to go back to school and I didn't want it to end with high school. So I, I applied to college. There was a, I started out in community college and there was a, just a remarkable woman who worked in the first office of community college that I went to. And she said, you know, you will qualify for a lot of federal help, you know, fill out this thing that looked like, you know, a treatise on, you know, the American constitution. It was so thick, but it was the, the financial aid application, the federal financial aid application. And that began my career in college. And I'm so grateful for it because I applied every year in the early nineties, um, the financial aid through Pell grants and through the earned income tax credit, which I, I qualified for because I had a child. Um, I, I got about $9,000 a year. I mean, that mm. was in the early 90s. Imagine what that, if there was, you know, inflation over time over these last 30 years, what that could be for somebody going through college now. Oh, yeah. Um, but instead of, uh, of you know, adjusting that through the years, Congress under Republican administrations have consistently cut funding for, for kids like me who needed that assistance to get through college. And I, I'll tell you, I got out of college debt-free, which very few kids who are putting themselves through college can say. Because most yeah. kids don't have ten thousand dollars or more sitting around to pay for their their tuition and their living expenses. Right. I mean, the uh, yeah, Republicans keep cutting all of these social programs, and you know they're saying we're fiscally conservative. We, you know, we, but it's all BS. It really is. Why it do you is. Why do you think the real reason? What do you think the real reason is? Why are they cutting? Why do they want to gut? 
our education system. Why do they want people to be stupid? Is that so they'll agree with Republican policy? That's my cynicism. I, I, somebody told me something very funny the other day. Like it's socialism for the rich capitalism for everybody else. Right. Right. Um, and, and no, there definitely are special interests. I didn't realize this until, you know, I was probably very naive when I stepped into the race in 2018. Um, and, and thought, well, if I explain, because healthcare was my issue, I was like, if I explain how healthcare is financed in America, how inefficient it is, how expensive it is, how we have the worst outcomes in the developed countries, they're just going to listen. They're going to see the light. No. There are so many special interests behind the scenes who love making billions of dollars in profits. I'll give you an example. United Healthcare, an insurance company, posted its largest uh, profitable quarter in its history this year, the first quarter of 2020, during a pandemic. Of course, and, they love this. Yeah, they love this. So Republicans are, are fantastic about, you know, at least saying the things that they think their base wants to hear, but in reality doing the exact opposite and getting, you know, the national coffers and state coffers and ensuring that folks, you know, don't have the safety nets that they need. How do you reach and, these you know, people? Whether it's like me or, or even senior citizens, they don't care, you know. I also really hate how they call it entitlements. Like people think they're right. entitled to these things or something when all people really need is just a little bit of help. Yeah. And we, and it's, we pay okay, for so it. We it's, all pay it's our tax system, dollars. Right? Yeah. Right. We pay into the system for the benefit of being able to tap into the system when we need it. And exactly. for me, you know, when I needed it, I needed healthcare to have a healthy pregnancy and delivery. And I was 17 years old. I needed it to be able to buy, um, you know, formula and diapers for my child. I needed it to be able to go to college. But then I think the dividends on the other side of that have returned many, many times over. In fact, I tell people I'm so proud. I don't know how how my daughter and I were able to escape because it's not the reality for a lot of 17-year-old girls. But, uh, you know, most 17-year-old girls who get pregnant and drop out of high school are repeating the cycle of poverty that they lived in with their family. And I'm grateful that, and I, and I do, I call it an escape because so oftentimes the, the system is set up to keep somebody where they are and never, ever give them the leg up that they need. It's, it's designed to intentionally keep people down once they're down. And but to me, that doesn't make sense though, because you touched on something. I mean, you, uh, you came from this background of poverty and then you were able to, uh, better your situation through the, this public assistance. And then now you are giving more money back as a higher earner and somebody who is making more money. So I, that yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't they want more of this? What is it? Is it, what is really going on here? Well, Cause to I me, it's, it's a logical a number of things, you know, the, the richest people in, in the United States want to grow richer. You know, it's, um, that is a fact. We saw that in 2017 when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was passed through, you know, the House and the Senate and then signed by uh, Trump. Um, and, and it did nothing except, uh, you know, pass the greatest transfer of wealth our country has ever seen. And, you know, it, Republicans weren't saying, how are you going to pay for it? How are you going to pay for it? Um, they weren't talking about the deficit it was going to cause. And their only solution, and, and when they actually talked about it, was, hey, we, we need to cut, cut social programs. Um, and again, the social programs that are designed to help people like me and, and many other, you know, what I say, the other Julies of the world, um, you know, rise up. 
but they don't really want that. It's really lip service, you know, and, and what they can say to their base. But you have the interests that are incredibly um, just greedy. I don't know what to call it other than what it is. It's greed. It's extraordinary greed. Uh, and, you know, I always thought, again, if I just talked about how even healthcare in America is finance, and we could actually lower costs and save lives and improve outcomes, that everyone will listen and like, oh, you know, come see the light. And no, there are, there are very wealthy interests that don't want things to change at all. And, and they feed these... lines and, and indoctrinate their base. Exactly. And how do you reach these people who have been indoctrinated and uh, the ones that I I think they they may get stuck on maybe one or two issues like maybe abortion and gun control and then they put the blinders on. So how, how are you reaching these people? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. It's it can be very, very challenging, especially, um, you know, when it comes to some of these wedge issues. But I'll give you an example. I was. In 2018, when I was running, I was actually doing a series of healthcare town halls throughout my, my district. My district is 212 miles at the bottom. So I was going to do north of the district, uh, middle of the district, and then come home and do something in the evening. And um, we invited a bunch of people uh, just via text messaging, can you come to this healthcare town hall? And the guy thought it was a bunch of hooey. He's like, oh, town halls are fake. They're contrived. You, you asked you know, plants in the audience, the questions you want to, you want to hear. He said, but if you want to come to my house, we can talk about the second amendment. And so I did, I went to his house. I went with, you know, some uh, campaign staffers, thank God, because when I'm pulling up in his driveway, he has a big metal gate with an AR 15 sign and a no trespassing sign. And I had to call him and I was like, Tony, I don't want to get shot, but I'm here at your house. I think. (laughs) And he's like, Oh yeah, that's it. Come on in, come on in. We sat on his porch. He was one of the nicest, truly like nicest guy, but very misguided when it came to the second amendment. So I just, all I did is listen. I listened and listened. His big deal was concealed carry reciprocity. Mm. And, but in listening, I got out of him that he and his wife and his adult son had all served in the military. And I said, well, you know, Tony, you were in the military. Were you able to walk around with guns, you know, on post at Fort Hood? And he goes, well, no, of course not. And I said, so it was very control, a controlled environment, right? Well, yes, of course. I said, well, when were you allowed to have guns? He goes, at target practice. And I said, okay, well, how did that work? And he goes, well, you check out your gun, but they wouldn't give you the ammo. You wouldn't get your ammo until you actually were set up at target practice and somebody would hand it to you. So it was a very, very controlled environment. And so I, that's what I started pointing out to him. You see, it's a very controlled environment. And, I, and by the end of it, I said, well, you know what, Tony, I trust you with a gun, but there are a lot of knuckleheads out there who have never had the training that you have had nor your family has had. You think it's okay for them to go out and just buy a gun, nilly willy, without any training? And he pauses like he had never thought of that before in his life. And he goes, Julie, you know what a, a good idea is? I was like, what's that, Tony? He goes, before somebody buys their first firearm, they have to take a, a bunch of training classes. And I was like, Tony, that's a really good idea. And that's really good whatever, idea. Can that's, I use that? Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, that's that's great, and that so maybe some people just haven't thought this stuff through, or they they get in their own bubble in their own head, and I don't know. To me, it'd be frustrating to try to break through to these people. So I'm, it's really cool that you're doing it, and you're actually going to people's homes. And but you can't do that right now with the with COVID nineteen. You can't go to anybody's home. So how are you reaching people like this? We are reaching people through the good old fashioned telephone right now. Oh. And, and obviously we do virtual events online. So yeah. we do town halls and we do round table discussions, but the prim- Can't be uh, the same, primarily though. how we are connecting to voters is through telephone and, and really just checking in on them to make sure that they're okay right now. 
How's the campaign going? So you did run in 2018 and you had a pretty successful run. And what are you doing different this time? So one, I'm running during a pandemic. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, you know, it is. It presents a very different and unique challenge to connect with people because I found that the one thing that was incredibly effective in 2018 was actually going and meeting people. And whether that was, you know, stopping by somebody's house on the way to a town hall and saying, hey, I would like to invite you into this conversation. And I tell you, Tony actually texted me on election day and told me good luck. Um, and so, you know, host, hosting town hall or block walking or, um, phone banking, you know, we did it. I call it the, the old school way of campaigning. It's actually talking to people where they are and talking about the things that are important to them. And, and if you give somebody enough space to, to speak, they'll get around their wedge issues. And, and I will say that's not even who we're, we're primarily trying to target. We're trying to get Democrats out to vote. Like, Democrats haven't had leadership in Texas for over 20 years. So please go vote. And we have abysmal turnout rates. So, but on the occasion that you would actually meet somebody who, you know, wasn't who, like, for example, I block walked at the wrong house one day and um, met a guy who thought his wedge issues were abortion and immigration. But he also happened to tell me that he was a good Catholic. And I said, ah, since you're a good Catholic, then I know you know what the Bible says about taking care of the foreigners among us and treating them as our own and how we should be taking care of widows and orphans. And we had one of the best conversations I've ever had that he, he completely dropped immigration and started talking about health care and how he had a, an adult son with Down syndrome and he needed to make sure that he was there to take care of his, his son and his son was on Medicaid in Texas. And um, he said he has to apply for it every year, but he knows that he has a reason for being here on the earth and it's to take care of his son. Hmm. And um, we had a wonderful conversation, but you have to be able to give somebody space to talk past those wedge issues to then really dive into the things that keep them up at night. And for him, it was his adult son losing his Medicaid benefits. Well, whatever you're doing seems to be working because, I mean, now you're going to be on the general election uh, going up against Roger Williams, the Republican incumbent, and uh, you've, I mean, so congratulations to you. We really hope Thank that you. you go all the way with this. And We're going all the way. We're doing it. Okay, it great. Is. Because we'd love to have someone in office that would like to join us on the show from time to time. So we're behind you 100%. <laughs> I'll fly there and vote for you illegally. Do you condone that? <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, just take up residence. We'll get you registered legally. Okay. Just take up residence. Texas isn't that bad. No, you actually do represent part of Austin, right? Or I do. You were, about thirty percent of Austin. That's okay. You know, I do like Austin a lot. Yeah, they gerrymandered Austin into six congressional districts, even though it can only truly support by population about two. Oh, okay. Yeah, gerrymandering is a whole other issue. We could talk to you about for an entire show, but. Uh, Julie Oliver, good luck to you. We really want you to win. I mean, blue Thank all you. the way. So uh, we're supporting yes. candidates uh, as we can, as much as we can on this show. And if you're if you live in uh, in Texas, do vote for Julie. Everybody, Julie Thank Oliver. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. And if you get a chance and you want to volunteer, we would love to have you volunteer with our campaign as well. JulieOliver.org is where you can go. That's, so thank you so much right. for taking the time to, to chat with us. And uh, we really, really appreciate it. Good luck. And we'll keep an eye on everything going on with your campaign. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Cool. So uh, we're getting closer and closer here. She's one step away 
from being in Congress and a friend of the show. Ooh. Look at that. Before you know it, we're going to be on Capitol Hill. Oh, did you put up the hand? Did you have a question? I'm so sorry. I did have a question. I didn't know you were back. I'm back. (laughs) Jason had to step out with a very important business call. Although talking to a congressional candidate is not a very important business call form, apparently. I just knew you guys could handle it. So, (laughs) you know, you got to, you know, as a a leader, you have to make a decision (laughs) quickly. You're delegating decision. I didn't delegate. I just, I trusted that you could handle the job. Oh, okay. Thanks boss. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Okay. We'll be right back. It's news to us. news to us we're back here live on adobe radio thank you to our guest julie oliver for joining us tonight did a little news roundup as well man did she make you feel lazy a little bit what an accomplishment i'm a lazy asshole like well look what she went through and like where she is now i'm just like fuck get (laughs) it together man oh i know i know man good for her that's so cool. That story. Yeah. And to have somebody with her that, background in Congress would be really good. So that's why women are stronger than men. I agree with that. that yeah. Uh, okay. Before we we sign off here, the uh, SNL quarantine sketch "Let's Kid Let Kids Drink" went uh, viral on the internet, and everybody was really. Uh, up in arms about this because it was a sketch about uh, letting kids drink while in quarantine. Here's a little bit of it. following is a public service announcement. Well, Mother's Day is Sunday. Father's Day is in June. Facts. It's been a hard-ass time for families. Feel like the animals in the zoo. Trapped. Parents need some help these days. Kids could use some too. Help. So given the special circumstance, we'd like to introduce a special rule. Let kids drink. Just like mom and dad. Yeah, so people saw this and then they went nuts. They're like, how could you do that? What was you doing? Let kids drink. Yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> can't I don't what? even know what to say. I can't. Like, that's so frustrating that people are up in arms about that. But like... They're fucking not up in arms about fucking people owning guns. Like, I've literally read two news stories in the last, like, four days about how children in the Denver metro area under the age of 10 have been shot by their brother or their sister. Like, fuck you. Like, if you can't get a joke and you're offended by this sketch, but you can't fucking voice your concern about weapons... Like, fuck, I, I can't. I just can't. full drinks, they'll be happier and funnier, and they'll fall asleep by six. They used to give kids whiskey to help them fall asleep. That's history. So a teeny tiny white claw is just a babysitter on the tree. Economics. They let kids in France drink wine, a bottle or two a day. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I agree with I you. And here's what somebody said on so Twitter. Frustrating. Seriously, let kids drink. Thumb down emoji. Wrong message for kids. Somebody wrote. Like if you don't, if you don't get it, if you don't Ugh. understand satire, 
then you, uh, this isn't for you. Go back to, uh, watching Ellen or whatever the hell it is that you watch. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Phil. Although, I, you know, I, I don't want to offend this or offend uh, defend this sketch too much because it really wasn't that funny, in my opinion, just because of it was poor execution of comedy. But I, the, I, I, I am not offended by it. I think it's different when you have children because I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. How do you, well, know, you know what you thought it was hilarious? I, the whole SNL I quarantine so thing. N- there hasn't been one funny sketch with the quarantine thing. Have you yeah, tried watching SNL with cor- in quarantine? Yes. Not funny. Yes. Not funny. The uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that were adults. That was an animated that was hilarious. feature little thing. That hilarious. was funny. That was funny, but that was animated. The 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 sports like. Uh, yeah, that one was funny too. Okay, two funny things. Where's the two that I saw? And I laughed at both. I, that, and I laughed it's at been lame. One. Three for three. It just reminds three you, like, sketch- how much that the show three- needs an audience. The three sketches that I have seen are three parts of SNL because I haven't watched it like in its entirety since the quarantine. But the three sketches okay. are the, the try it in its entirety. It's miserable. I mean, our show's miserable. <laughs> well, you know, we take cues from SNL because people seem to like that. So we kind of bring you the same vibe of of mediocrity and horribleness. Uh, Any final words? It's just weird ending the show without David. It's mm. kind of a bummer. Yeah. Well, our thoughts are with you. Maybe he's listening up in heaven or in hell, wherever he he ended up. He didn't end up in hell, did he? Can we get a verification on that? That's if you believe in heaven and hell, Eddie. Exactly. And I don't. Exactly. (laughs) The fuck are we all doing here? Uh, Just enjoy your time on this rock flying in outer space. Okay, and uh, we'll talk to you next week with more uplifting (laughs) messages. Maybe. Maybe if we're still here. Maybe. We don't know. We don't know. We appreciate it very much, Tim Apple. Hello, everybody.